Welcome to Ask the Therapist, the podcast that invites you into the therapist room to explore the world of mental health with me, your host, Sarah Rees. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ask the Therapist. It's lovely to have you here. Today I'm talking to Cecilia Pereiras. Celia is in Mexico City and she is sharing her journey from the corporate world into becoming a therapist and then training in initially emotion-focused therapy and then training in compassion. She initially trained in Toronto with Christine Neff and then later, most recently, with Professor Paul Gilbert at Derby University, where she undertook the Diploma in Compassion-Focused Therapy. It's such an interesting conversation. And she's sharing how she's going to try and bring compassion more centrally into Mexico City, which is exciting. I've put links to her website and the compassion group that she is starting to develop in the show notes. So it is lovely to have you here. Thank you for joining me on As a Therapist, Celia. Thank you for having me here. It is really an honor. My first question is always, how did you come to be a therapist? What led you to the direction? I think it's a very interesting job to to do, become a therapist. My story to become a therapist is quite different because I'm one of those people who became a psychotherapist after having a different career. Um, First, I pursued a career in business and marketing, and I had a setback. Like 10 years ago, I was the target of a mobbing situation and uh, it really was very hard for me. It was like a year and a half situation and um, I ended quitting my job and I ended in a very emotional, uh, um, really dark place. I, I got into depression and so I knew that I couldn't go back to work. Because I was, you know, I, I needed time to to kind of uh, settle. And um, so I kind of looked shelter in logotherapy. Because I already studied some logotherapy. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I was young, I thought of being a psychologist. But uh, back then, there was kind of uh, some stigma at home. So I decided not to go for it. So I went for an um, management information system uh, uh, bachelor. A much more traditional role, isn't it? Did you enjoy marketing? And... Yeah, well, I enjoyed it very much. I liked it very much, but I always liked a lot more what had to do with, uh, uh, with you know, behavior and human behavior and all of that. So as a matter of fact, I... The best part, the part that I enjoyed more, it was when I was in marketing research, when I when I did the quantitative market research, which has a lot more to do with psychology than uh, than not. So I really liked that part, you know. But um, so even if I had my marketing career, I kind of read a lot about psychology and I enrolled in some courses because I really liked it, you know. Many of the books that I picked, they were almost all of them were like self-help books. You know, it, it was always like a tendency for me. So when I had this setback and I in, in I fall into depression, I kind of went 
to the uh, institution that I had uh, studied some logotherapy diploma there. And they offer an, um, uh, um, a specialization in logotherapy, which gives you the license to become a psychotherapist. But it was, it was the way that I could keep studying, you know, and I knew that it was going to give me some time to rebuild myself and to settle back and to get out of depression. And it really did. It was the right move. And I remember that there was a teacher that um, when I was finishing the specialization, I was doubting about being a psychotherapist. And, and she listened to what I said to one of my classmates. So she called me and she said, Cecilia, I heard this. And I think that you have a lot of potential and I believe in you. I, I encourage you to try it. So those words kind of, you know, helped me like put the focus there. And I said, well, I will try it anyway. To finish the specialization, we had to make some practices. We call it here in Mexico social service because we are psychotherapy for the low income people who cannot pay, you know, charging a very, very small amount. And uh, we had to, you know, serve certain amount of hours of psychotherapy in that way. So I said, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish everything. And um, I'm going to finish that uh, to obtain the degree and the license. <clears throat> and uh, so I did. And, you know, once you start, you realize that this is a very beautiful way to help people. So it was kind of after that setback, you know, it was like, uh, I, I think it was two years of studying uh, for the specialization. And after that, I was already out of other depression. I, 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 I was already, you know, in a better place. So I decided to reinvent myself professionally being a psychotherapist, you know? So that's how I started. Wow, it's such a brave move, isn't it? And it's such a difficult time in your life as well. You've got a number of specialisms and which we're going to talk about, but you did emotional focus therapy, didn't you, initially? Can you tell us a little bit about that, what it is and what kind of people it helps? Yeah, well, um, EFT, it's, uh, well, first of all, I have to talk about the different EFTs of uh, approaches because EFT, it's a, uh, it's a, an an uh, acronym that uh, several models use because um, Leslie Greenberg and Sue Johnson started together. They worked together and then they split and then they went different ways, but both models had the same acronym. One is uh, emotional focus therapy. That's the uh, Greenberg's model. And Johnson's model is emotionally focused therapy. So um, I think that in UK, you know a lot more Leslie Grimber's model. And in America, uh, Sue Johnson's model is the one that is a lot more uh, popular. So the one that I'm certified in is uh, Sue Johnson's model. That's the one that I'm certified in. You introduced me to a book, Hold Me Tight, which I read, and I just thought it was amazing. So thank you for that. 
he tells her about it. Yeah, that book is very well recommended for uh, people who is not into psychotherapy and into for the well, general public because it really um, teaches you and tells you about how the relationship in the couple works, you know, because EFT, so Johnson's EFT, is started as a couple therapy. So afterwards, after they have, um, you know, like all the scientific basis that it works, that it is efficiently and everything, they adapted to individual and family therapy. So I use it for couples therapy. And um, when I when I work with couples, I definitely only use, uh, exclusively use EFT. And it could be for any kind of couples, you know. One of the main issues of EFT, as it is a base uh, an attachment-based therapy is to um, to have a safe space, to create a safe space. So whenever you can create a safe space with it, within your office, then it is suitable to use EFT. So if you have a couple that is going through illness or grief or maybe an infidelity one or one of them have trauma or maybe one of them are on the spectrum or maybe it's a, a you know a, a couple from the lgbt plus community whatever all those situations it is suitable the only way the only way that we consider that it's not suitable is when we cannot create that safe space like there are some issues that could provoke that like if there is physical violence in the relationship, there is no way that you could ask someone to be vulnerable in front of the other if that puts that person in danger, you know? So that would be a situation where EFT is not suitable. Or maybe if there's an addiction, an active addiction, or an active infidelity, because it is like the commitment is not to reestablish the bond, you know. So it, it is not going to be easy for both of them to be as vulnerable as we need them to be to reconstruct that bond. Both parties have to want to rebuild the bond, do they? So it's not about kind of working to part well, it's working to rebuild the bond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... um. For, for Sue Johnson, EFT is it's up. It is very well based in John Bowlesby theory, but it is also based in Carl Rogers and Salvador Minucci. As a matter of fact, Sue Johnson says that if you see a therapist, an EFT therapist work, you would see as if it was a conversation be, be, between them three between Rogers, Minuchin, and Bowlby. So so I, I think it is a very nice way to present it, you know, to try to imagine them talking, you know. And um, so the main objective is to, to make that bond stronger, to make a more secure bond between them to reconstruct, you know, the uh, relationship. And... Um, as a matter of fact, I participated in 
uh, research in the first research that was that was made in Spanish because there's a lot of research in English, and this year we finished uh, the field of the research and they are starting, you know, to put all the results together and everything. And well, the first result and the first, you know, general result that they gave us it was that it is as efficient in Spanish as, as it is in English. So that is a very good news. Yeah. And you focus a lot more on people's emotions, do you? Yes. It is an experiential model. That means that you make some, um, uh, you focus on, well, you focus on the dynamic and the patterns that the, uh, uh, the couple has in the relationship. But when you start working with them, you focus on the emotion that triggers those reactions and makes them enter in this loop that uh, maybe disconnects them, you know? So uh, we say that we use emotion as a leverage of change in EFT. Right. Okay. So you're tracking what emotion triggers what behavior and what patterns and then trying to process the emotion and shift the patterns. Yes. And as you follow the uh, path of BFT, once you have all those emotions, you work with a corrective experience in the office, you know, in front of the other one if you always work together so the other one can really hold his or her partner in those heavy moments so it is a therapy that works a lot with a very vulnerable part because you deepen into emotion very much wow i can imagine that was so connecting for for couples yeah and then you found out about compassion focused therapy and I'm curious and that's how we met but where did you first learn about compassion focused therapy well that was another journey because when when I was at this dark place after I quit my job I I had a lot of free time and uh, I started uh, reading and I started enrolling in some courses and I enrolled in a course it was um the Science of Willpower with Kelly McGonigal in online Stanford course. It was a very short course, and she mentioned Christine Neff. And then I read uh, a Brene Brown's book, I think it was Daring Greatly, where she mentions Christine Neff. So I got curious, and I started to get close to her work and Christopher Germer's work, and I... I started reading their books and I started uh, looking and searching and, and, you know, in the browser, whatever I could learn about that. And I found self-compassion to be something that I really needed in that time. So I started practicing and I, I went to Toronto to uh, take an MSc, which is Mindful Self-Compassion, is what they offer. To, to, to take an MSc course in, in one week. It was also a short course. And after that, I started, you know, reading and, and, and everything. And 
when I went to the course, as a matter of fact, I was making a desk-based research and I was comparing MSC with logotherapy with the 10 theses of the persona and of the person in logotherapy. And so I was, you know, whatever is said compassion, I put my eyes on it and I tried to read it. So I suddenly came across with Paul Guber's work. And it really caught my eye that it was a therapeutic model, that it was not something like MSE, which is oriented towards general public, you know, what whoever wants to develop a little more well-being, you can enroll with them. But this was what I really wanted and needed to really, you know, work as a compassionate therapist. So it was very funny because I remember that I started Googling Paul Gilbert and I had a hard time because back then I I went across with the guitarist, you know, and it was not easy to find his work. And suddenly I landed in the Compassion and Mind Foundation webpage and I realized all of his work and all what he offered. And I remember that my first thought was, oh gosh, they are at the UK. That's far away for me. That's too far. I kind of was, you know, kind of disappointed, but I started daydreaming of going to UK to learn it. And I remember that I got into the uh, University of Derby, uh, a page uh, uh, very often to see if they were opening the course and, and how much was it and and what all the credentials that I needed to get in. You know, I I, I was daydreaming and, and there was one day that I started daydreaming in front of my husband and he said, you should go. Oh, wow. Yeah, he encouraged me to go, and I went with a friend to London to take the the first course with uh, Chris Irons, and then I went to Derby to take the advanced the advanced course with Paul. After after taking those courses, I decided that that was the path that I wanted to follow. You know, because I. I, I knew about MSC, I knew about self-compassion, but I really found something to really integrate it in my work, very well-structured and very comprehensive and, and very extensive. And, and so I said to myself, this is what I want to follow. If you'd like to find out more about life behind the scenes of private practice, then why not join us in our Therapist Corner Substack community? Therapist Corner on Substack offers an exclusive look behind the scenes of the business of therapy, bringing together diverse perspectives and exploring the how and why of the business of therapy. Visit therapistcorner.co.uk to sign up or for more information. How do you find Paul's work differs from Christine? I know Christine Nath, she's a researcher, isn't she? Whereas Paul is a researcher, but also um, he's a clinician as well. He has a therapy background. But having done both their trainings, how would you say they differ? I think they differ a lot. Well, first of all, and I think one of the biggest differences is that 
CFT is a therapeutic model, and MSC is a practice that promotes well-being that develops uh, specific skills, but uh, they now are integrated in, into psychotherapy, but uh, they offer you a course to be a self-compassion-informed therapist. But there's not like the specific tools to uh, relieve. It. I mean, it's not a model. It's not a therapeutic model. And CFT, it is. So, well, that's one of the main differences that I see. And obviously, as CFT is a model, it has a very solid foundation, you know. The, that understanding of how the mind works and all the evolution theory of the Jungian theory, that makes it like a very solid base. Yeah, it's got good apps, hasn't it, for delivering compassion-focused therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, there's uh, an obvious uh, uh, a difference also because MSCs focus only in one of the flows of compassion, mainly, because they also talk about compassion to others and compassion from others, but it's very well structured and focused only in self-compassion, while CFT is focused on the three flows of compassion. So that is another difference that I find very, very important, you know? Obviously, the target is different, and even though CFT has CMT, which is maybe something similar like MSC, the target it, it is first for psychotherapists. And in MSC, they are, they are targeting you know everyone who wants to start practicing. More like a well-being training course. And you, you've just done the diploma in compassion-focused therapy. What was that training like? How did you find that course? Because I know quite a few people that have listened to this. Have, I've interviewed Chris Irons and Paul Gilbert and Mary Welford, and they, you know, they lots of people have an interest in doing the diploma. How did you find it? Well, the diploma in CFT, it was, if I had to describe it in only one word, I would say exceptional. It really was life-changing for me. You know, first of all, to have a chance to be in a classroom directly with Paul and ask every kind of question, you know, and being able to to uh, have that safe space to ask whatever we want and have those answers in that very humble way and been very holding way because he was very uh, compassionate with us always you know that was a very uh, 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 treasure experience you know getting to know him as the genius that he is but also also getting to know the funny man that is a privilege to be honest you know so i wouldn't change it for anything i i would do it again you know when i first started, uh, uh, you know, enrolling to the diploma and everything, I was very afraid of having to write an essay because, I mean, I'd been speaking in English, but I, I, I hadn't write for so long, you know, so writing in English is not my strength. So I was kind of scared about it. And when I shared that with her, she really helped me in a very beautiful way. And it made 
my experience so much easier, you know? And fortunately, I didn't fail, but I mean, if someone had to fail, I knew that she was going to do it in a compassionate way, you know? And that's the way to learn it, isn't it? Through experience, through living. Compassion-focused therapy, it's a therapeutic model, but it is a lifestyle. You said it was transformative for you, and I certainly have found that for me. How do you feel that it's been transformative for you? I would say that I am a different person from the one that I was 10 years ago. You know, that's Cecilia that I had that setback and that used a lot of the st- strategies that I'm not so proud of, <laughs> let's say that way. <laughs> and um, I understand that, Cecilia. I I can uh, see why she did it, but, uh, but I think that now I understand a lot more why she reacted that way. I mean, in any setback in my life, not only that one, but uh, now that I really understand how the mind works and um and uh, that i have been through that process of de-shaming you know i can hold myself in a very different way you know so you have a compassionate narrative for why you chose to do certain things in certain ways and you don't look back and beat yourself up which is so easy do for us isn't it life's hard we do tricky things because we have tricky minds but you can hold that compassionately and that helps you move forward then doesn't it for all of us what difference have you found it makes for your clients and your therapeutic work well i think that the major change that i have found is that the process goes a lot faster really it, it is like if they're stuck with something i i apply some of the techniques or I maybe do a chair work session or whatever. And I really feel that that helps them in a more deeper way and that they move a lot faster. They get the experience, don't they, when you do chair work? I'm always blown away when I kind of, I think clients are so brave for doing chair work. But actually, it gives them the experience of feeling the different parts of them and kind of having a, a discussion with different parts of them, their critical self and their compassionate self, or their angry self. It is, it's, yeah, it's transformative. Yeah, because what you are saying, it, it is one of the things that most abuses them. Because I, some of them have told me, I never thought that there was a part of me that could hold me in this situation. You know, it is like a great discovery for them to learn that there is a compassionate way in them, that they can be compassionate with themselves or, or with someone else, you know. So that is one of the, of the changes. And, you know, there are so many tools that I have found so rich because for some guys, just telling them and explaining about the tricky mind and the three emotional systems makes so much sense that they understand themselves and they stop beating themselves, you know? I work a lot with self-critic because as I was very self-critic and I've been, you know, learning about this since the first MSc course I have been working with the self-critic for so long, but before I just put it in, uh, on the table and I 
maybe reflected it and I maybe pointed and, and, and I just tried to, to make them see that it was not the best way to treat themselves. But now I feel that I have all the tools to work with that self-critic. Pull teachers to kind of understand the function of the self-critic. Why is it there and what's it doing? And often it's kind of not serving a very good function at all, isn't it? What other tools have you found helpful for kind of managing a self-critic? Well, first of all is recognizing that it is there and that it's not good for yourself, that uh, that makes you feel, uh, uh, I don't know, down in any way. The other one is uh, obviously the function of a self-critic and to go deeper into seeing that it really doesn't help at all. And um, I may add that, well, obviously the chair work, you know, but also working with the fear of letting it go, it has helped me very, very much, you know. The fears, blocks, and, compa- and, and, and resistances was something that I was not aware of. I just found the resistance or fear of the block of working with compassion, but I was I was not that aware of how they are different and how they play to uh, block compassion. So now that I learn it in CFT and I have you know tried to deepen the work in in, in fierce blocks and resistances because I found a lot of resistance here in Mexico for working with compassion. So uh, so that is one of uh, the things that I also work a lot. How is compassion viewed in Mexico? Well, uh, I think there is a lot of stigma about compassion because we mainly are a Catholic culture and uh, there's a lot of uh, religion viewing, but uh, we are also... Uh, shame-based culture country. And well, this is not me saying it. I found it in a book. Uh, I think it was Lafayette's book that says it. And, and, and I also read it in some Ruth Benedict, uh, not the book, but someone was talking about her work and, and they pointed that there were fear-based countries and guilt-based countries and shame-based con- uh, uh, cultures. And Mexico, it is considered to be a shame-based culture, which it really was a surprise for me because if we are a religious, a Catholic, mainly country, I thought it was going to be, you know, guilt. But it happens that it kind of entangles with machism and a lot of beliefs and cultures and the way that we are educated is basically with shame. I think that has a lot to do with the resistances of trying to be able to, you know, offer someone a kind, uh, a kind of action or or a compassionate action, and also it there is this belief that we have to do it by ourselves, otherwise we are ashamed. So that I think that's also a block. You can't take compassion in from others if we think about the three flows of compassion. And so then how can you, you can't give it to yourself so there's all, all these blocks and there's also a lot of misunderstandings about compassion there's a lot of people that feels that compassion is a weakness 
because it's, if you were not setting boundaries and you would let it, others to take advantage of you. So there are a lot of misunderstandings about compassion. But it's just kindness and softness and gentleness. Because actually, compassion is mainly courage and strength, isn't it? And, and well, that is one of the other differences between MSC work and CFT, you know, that when I went to that course with Paul, I learned about the courage and the wisdom that you need in compassion. And that was an eye-opening for me because it really kind of complemented, you know, what I had learned about compassion. And I think it was the time that with Christine Neff was putting out her book, Fears of Compassion, you know. And, but anyway, anyway, the elements that she uses in self-compassion, they could be related to the elements of compassion for Paul. But, uh, so they are complementary, but, um, but she doesn't talk about courage. And to be mindful, you need the courage to to uh, accept your coming humanity you need the wisdom and to be kind of uh, with yourself you need that commitment to be helpful and not harmful so i can see that there are you know like similarities but uh but knowing that you can be courageous and that you can use your wisdom that you already have it and and that you only need a commitment to be helpful instead of powerful, and that um that kind of puts compassion in some other place, you know. So that is one of the things that I want to um to let all the Mexicans know, you know, that there is a way to be compassionate without without letting anyone pass your boundaries, you know without that uh, need of, of being uh, abused or, or letting someone be negligent with you, you know? And one of, one of the ways you're thinking of doing that is by setting up a group. Is it just for therapists? If I let my mind go, it would be for everyone, you know? <laughs> but uh, we have to start in some place. We want to make um, more than a group. We want to make a center, an organization, an institution, I don't know, what kind, and um, we want to to teach CMT, we want to teach CFT for therapists, so we would have both targets, and um, uh, we also want to hold all the people who is interested in uh, uh, CFT that have alre already reached someone to learn it, because we have learned that there are like many 20 people who has looked for CFT with Gonzalo Brito, who works in Chile and who has a lot of years of uh, teaching CFT. And, and uh, the, I mean, uh, he's also a researcher with, with CFT and his work is very, very important for Latin Americans. So uh, there's a lot of Mexican who, who has enrolled in some of his courses. And we have also found out that there are some Mexicans who have gone to the United States to learn CFT with the people that teaches it in the United States. It's obviously because it's a lot more close for us, you know. And um, but uh, we want to make a synergy with all of them 
and to 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 hold and build community and to have you know like this space that we can interchange and that we can uh, uh be together in this journey because of uh, my personal wish which i haven't shared with uh with Anne, which is the one that i'm uh starting this group with is that i want i want this center to be a place to embody compassion not only teach it or learn it you know so i i that's why i was telling you about wendy because i think she's such a role model for me she said uh, she's a role model so uh, i i i want to offer something like the experiences she offered me you know wow what an, an you know i can imagine her listening back to this and she's just gonna feel so privileged to hear that but so you want to be a place that embodies compassion that teaches it to therapists but to hopefully because cmt is compassionate mind training and there's lots of skills that everybody can use but also a place that really demonstrates it so role role models what compassion looks like so because that's how we learn isn't it through experience how, how exciting how can people find out more about it well we are building our webpage as uh we are uh you know um structuring everything we are still in the face of talking with people from other countries who, who has done this to try to uh make synergy with them also but you can find about this in compassionatemindmexico.com or in spanish mentecompasivamexico.com you know so we we will have both of uh, uh, domains to to be able to to reach us and and see how we grow. I really have this fantasy of growing so uh, big and, and be able to offer some other courses and and maybe a circle of meditation and maybe retreats. I really would want to offer a place where you can find different ways of embodying compassion. Mm -hmm. yeah, your eyes light up when you talk about this. I can see you're very excited about it. And it really pulls work very globally. I know it's very popular in Brazil, but there hasn't nobody's done anything in Mexico as yet. So this will be the first thing that's developed, which is very exciting. Yeah, well, it's, it is going to be the first thing that is developed in this way. But uh, there's no way that I don't mention this girl that I found out that she is finishing a PhD with a, a CFT. It's about CFT. She's finishing and she learned CFT in the United States and she has, she has been applying it here in Mexico and she's about to finish her dissertation. And it is going to be, that, I mean, I feel so proud because I'm not the only one and we can make, you know, a larger group and Mexico is going to offer, you know, some research in Spanish. So I think it's very interesting. And I mean, there is people who is out there who is interested in this. So I think that we will make a large group and, and we will be able to offer. Yeah. So watch this space. I'll put the links to the web pages on the show notes as well. 
Um, thank you for that. And one of the questions that I ask all my guests at the end is, if you could go back to your 15-year-old self, what would you say to her? Oh, well, I, that's a funny question. I think I would tell her, don't be harsh on yourself. Just, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, I think uh, I would tell her that someday she will find meaning for everything that happens in life. And that despite some situations are difficult, that she's going to find a balm to cope with them. And that balm is called compassion. Oh, that's lovely. What a beautiful note to finish on. And if somebody wanted to find out more about you, your work and what you do, you have a beautiful website, which I have learned today. And I've told you that you can translate it into English by using Google Translate so I can read your website and you've got some beautiful blog posts on there is that way do you have any social media or is that is it mainly your website well it is the, the website and the only social media that I use for about professionally it's Instagram and I mean I post a lot of things in English and Spanish I, I, I post both both languages because I find some very useful things. I mean, very pretty things in English also. And you can find me at marise.paral. Okay. I will put that in the show notes as well, if anybody's listening that doesn't have a, a pen and paper with them. But thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation and our insights into your journey into compassion and learning the kind of two models. And I'm just very excited to follow your journey going forward. Thank you and thank all your audience. It has been a privilege to be here with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Ask the Therapist. I'll be discussing all you've heard in this episode and more over in the Therapist Corner community on Substack. To join me there, just click on the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care of your mental well-being as you continue on the path to becoming the best version of yourself.